Weekly Grooves. My name is Tim Houlihan. And I'm Kurt Nelson. Each week, Weekly Grooves picks a current article or news topic, and we explore it through a behavioral science lens. We dig in to help you understand the psychology behind the headline. The specific topic that spurs us to this conversation is current, of course, but the insights, well, they're timeless. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week, Tim found an article published by the American Economic Association, which interviewed Harvard professor Mario Small. It was called Rethinking Racial Discrimination, How Sociology Can Help Economics Diversify Its Perspective. The article explores the limited perspective that economics has, with only 3% of the economists identifying as black in a, in a recent AEA survey. And this partial perspective, Dr. Small argues, inhibits the field of economics from looking at issues creatively and with differing viewpoints. And this is particularly true as it relates to how racial discrimination is studied in economics. Dr. Small goes on to say that economics needs to be more like sociology, which embraces a number of perspectives and uses each to paint a more accurate and holistic understanding of the issues. He points out that there are currently only two main perspectives on discrimination in economics, taste-based and statistical discrimination, neither of which really gets at all of the underlying issues. No, and we urge you to read the article and Dr. Small's comments to understand what those two perspectives are. However, we want to explore the article from different perspectives. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We have seen how diversity of race and gender and age and political affiliation can lead to more robust discussions and hence better outcomes in both science and life. All right. So let's start by just stating that diversity is necessary. It's an essential aspect. Uh, if we want to have a world and particularly fields of inquiry, i.e. science, that are going to be the best that they can be, right? That there is this aspect of diversity that is a requirement for us to be able to view the world as it is and not just through our own particular lens. Um, and that plays out in science, but it also plays out in business and it also plays out in our own life. Absolutely. And so I think that's there. Now, why is that, Tim? Why, why, why do you think that that's essential? Uh, well, it, our backgrounds impact what we look at, right? That, that context is influencing the kinds of things that we're naturally drawn to. And of course, also how we look at things. It's not just, it's just not the direction that we're looking, but also the lens that we're using to, to look at those things, right? Right. Um, yeah. Dr. Small even, even stated that all researchers call upon their intuition and their experience and, and insights, not just to figure out what to study, but also how they study it. More researchers would study discrimination of multiple kinds if there were more women and minorities. Right. So it's that I love that part. It's a, it's not just to figure out what to study, but also how they study it. Right. And it brings in some of these pieces of, you know, if you don't have that background, that experience, you will never even know that it could be an issue. Go to uh, recent events in, in politics where our president planned a conference that was going on in Tulsa on Juneteenth. Now, uh, I'm assuming that that was an oversight, but if he would have had somebody on his team that would have been 
black, they might have put two and two together to say, that's probably not a good thing to do. Yeah, that date in that city, not a good idea. Right, but because they didn't have that background, they didn't even know that that was a question to look at. And so it just passed over. And there are a number of instances of those types of incidences that you can look at both from science, but as well as business, um, that we need to have those different viewpoints because those viewpoints provide a more realistic perspective of the world because everybody in the world doesn't look like you and me, these old white guys that are sitting here thinking about how the world is and what should happen because we have come from a particular background and many people come from a very different background that has a very different worldview. Yeah. It just, I just want to do a shout out to Kimberly Crenshaw because she talks about this idea of bringing your whole self to the table. And I think um, intersectionality is her, is her big thing, right? But that also means that everybody else at the table needs to be psychologically safe Right, that they need to be willing to say, we're going to bring you into the table. We're going to accept you at the table. We want to bring our full selves to the table too, and not just some narrow, uh, you know, stereotyped version of who we are, right? But our full selves. And if we can all show up with our full selves at the table, then we get that better perspective on uh, the world and what we need to be able to understand about the world. Yeah. In addition to that, though, Diversity, there's also been lots of research that shows that diversity actually leads to more creativity. Yeah. These different perspectives not only give you a better view of what's actually going on in the world, but it provides you with a way of looking at the world that is more creative. And that is very important, particularly as we think about business, but also as we think about how science operates. Well, absolutely. Both both business and science rely on creativity. The yeah. innovation comes from good ideas. And where are you going to get the best ideas? This, the research is indicating that the best ideas are going to come from people who have broader groups of people that they're associating with. Right. And Professor Small, in the article, he talks about this. He said, within mainstream sociology, which again, he holds up as this uh, element that is doing this well, right? There are people who think about questions from very, very different perspectives and who are accepted as asking legitimate questions from very different perspectives. And because of that expansiveness, there's a lot of creativity in sociology around the types and kinds of questions people ask. And there's a much broader way of looking at discrimination in particular in that case. That that ability to ask those different questions leads to creative output, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, we need all of that. And, and we'll, we'll actually link to a couple of, of articles, uh, to a, a couple of research papers in the, in, the, in the notes about that. Right. And I think one of those is this uh, paper by McCoy, Lobo, and Cox, Ethnic Diversity and Creativity in Small Groups, which showed that diversity on teams led to more creative outcomes. So they had some teams that were doing a brainstorming thing that were all Anglo-American, and then other teams that were composed of you know, a variety of, of Anglo-Americans 
Asians, African, Hispanic. And when at the end of the day, when those uh, outcomes of the brainstorm were judged, uh, the ones from the diverse team were judged to be of higher quality, more effective and more feasible than the ideas produced by the homogenous groups. Yeah. So, so if you're going to apply this to business or to science, why not have more diverse teams uh, when you're brainstorming ideas? Because better ideas are going to lead to better innovations, which are going to be to better lead to better business outcomes. Uh, it's it. Uh, this is just the, the the better, the absolutely the the necess the needed process to follow. Really, right. And and one aspect that we have to bring up is just this is the right thing to do, and it's the right thing to do not because. Um, there are a number of racist or discriminatory people that are doing the science or leading these organizations, but that we all have implicit biases, that we all yep. have these aspects of how we look at the world. And as much as we'd like to think that we are um, you know, looking at the world through colorblind or non-biased viewpoints, that is not the case. And so by having that diversity, we're able to get different people potentially being able to point out maybe some of those implicit biases that we have in just the systemic aspect of some of the things that we are doing. Uh, and hopefully that will provide a broader perspective um, yeah. that we can build upon. These implicit biases are unconscious. We're not aware of them, right? And uh, and a great way to demonstrate this was was the study when uh, they they asked little kids to draw a picture of a scientist, and and found that uh, five year olds were were pretty equally willing to draw male scientists and female scientists. You know that they created scientists in either male or female roles. It kind of didn't matter. But by the time they were ten. That changed dramatically. All of a sudden, now the female scientists only represented about a quarter of all the pictures drawn by these kids. And and so these biases, and were they aware of that? Probably not at all. That was not a conscious thing. That was a completely unconscious thing, but it was shaped by the world around them. Right. They had internalized the social norms that we have as a society that are lending that. And so we don't we don't actually view those, right? Because the impact on on how we view things is hidden from us. And so it's it's driven by that lens. And so the more diverse that group is, the better able we're we're going to be able to respond to that. Okay. So what can we do about it? <laughs> well, you know, if we look at science, right? Um, you know, we can look at science, we can look at business, we can look at our personal life. And in, in, in science, you know, to Dr. Small's point, we need to bring in different perspectives. We need to be more like sociology and, and have a number of different perspectives. Whether those perspectives are um, different races, obviously that's good, but we also have to think about just different perspectives from uh, personalities, from various different aspects of age and gender and even political affiliations, because we tend to group around people that are similar to us. And there are lots of systemic reasons that that happens and, and various different things as business as well as science, and it's going to be hard to overcome, but we need to be intentional uh, about that. 
our guest, April Seifert, a neuroscientist, uh, back in episode 24, described going to a conference on neuroscience as a sausage party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, she talked about how it was, it was so, there were so many men, you know, she was just outnumbered. And in order to overcome this, we've got to be intentional. We have to bring more diversity into the fields of, of research in order to get more, uh, to get more representation uh, from non-white guys, basically. And guess what? The benefit is that we'll come up with better research. We'll come up with with more, the more diverse thinking we have along the lines, the better the research, the better the ideas, the better the results. Right. And if you look at business, right? Currently, there's only four black CEOs in, in the Fortune 500. And in the yeah. past two decades, there's only been 17 and only one of those has been a black female. So we have a lot of work to do, and that is just across the board in business. And again, it gets back to uh, intentionality. Uh, what I am hopeful for, and, and Dr. Lori Friedel talks about this, is uh, you know the bad news um, is that even well-intentioned individuals have biases that can impact their perceptions and behavior, producing discriminatory behavior. The good news, however, from science is that individuals, once educated on the science of implicit bias, can impact those biases. Yeah. So understanding, and again, it's you know it's it needs to go beyond just understanding and it needs to take into action, right? It's they can't just have the GI Joe effect that understanding is going to cause behavior change, but understanding can start this process. And so we need to build upon that. That also means we got to take it to a personal level. Right. Right. We, we can't just, we can't just say, well, you know, it's our company policy. We got to, we're going to have to look at this or look at that. It's going it, to, you know, got this new stupid policy. We're going to have to make an investment on a personal level to actually reach across the table to, to actually uh, hang out with people who are different than us, to right. start to make friends, to, to have coffee with somebody who is not like us, basically. To learn from those other people and to get to know them and knowing people at a more personal level helps in getting rid of some of those viewpoints that we might have been led through society that we're not even aware of. And so by getting to know people, it can it can alleviate some of that. One of my favorite studies was the study um, that actually, again, getting back to some of this creativity that we have uh, by Adam Golinski, uh, and he tracked some business school students during a 10-month MBA program. And, you know, they found that students who dated somebody from another country during the term actually became more creative. Yeah. And, and then yeah. in another study, uh, they found that even the simple act of reflecting on one's deep relationship with a person from another country caused a temporary boost in creativity. So we can do this. We can become more creative. We can become more open. It's just a matter of going out and putting ourselves in these situations where we're going to be interacting with people who don't look and think like us. Yeah, with the explicit purpose of using diversity to improve not just our individual lives and not just the scientific community and the research that's being done, but improving business output results, uh, productivity, all those kinds of things can be enhanced with more diverse perspectives. And, and having that intentionality. And so this goes back, I have hope for this. It's been 
forever that this has been going on, that this has been a issue and it hasn't been addressed, even though people have tried to address it. But I, I am hopeful. I'm hopeful that there's a change in our culture, uh, in the societal norms that are pushing on this and, and other things. But really, I think there's this quote from Viktor Frankl that it provides me hope. It's my favorite quote from him. And it says, there is space between stimulus and response. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I think if we think about that, that we have been going through life with just stimulus response, stimulus response, and that response has been indicated and influenced by these aspects of society that again are implicit that we don't even know. And but if we can take that space and we can stop and pause, if we can choose our response as opposed to just being automatic in that response, then we can get over this and we can start to make a significant change. And that starts with us. And with that start then can lead to bringing in more diversity into the workplace and into the scientific community, which in the end is what we need and what is required. All right, Tim, should we wrap this up? Amen, Reverend Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's recap this, right? The lack of diversity, particularly as it relates to race, can impede science. Dr. Small highlights this by showing how different perspectives are appreciated as it relates to discrimination in sociology versus the limited perspectives that are currently in economics. Science and business will work better by expanding diversity, not just because it's the right thing to do, but it is the right thing to do, by the way, but because it creates better science and leads to better decision-making. We know that creativity is enhanced when bringing more diverse uh, groups together. It just, it just works. Diverse perspectives provide us with questions and ways to look at issues that we may not have otherwise even been aware of. The stats are bad. We are not doing a good job, but there is hope. We can solve this issue by making sure that we start to bring in a diverse perspective into our field of study or into our business. This means that we need to overcome years or decades of system systemic discrimination. But I hope and I believe that we can do this and we can look to science to help guide us. We can use this in our universities, in our companies, and even with ourselves. Well, that wraps up this episode of Weekly Grooves. We appreciate you listening and hope that you enjoyed this and found it useful. If you like it, please share it with a friend. Leave us a review. Now go out and have a great week. 